Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. Today, we are joined by Land Grant Holy Land editor emeritus, Bleeding Green Nation's deputy manager, and the co-host of LGHL's Play Like a Girl podcast, the lovely Buckeye herself, Alexis Chasen. Alexis, happy football, both college and NFL season. It's finally here. I'm so excited. I can't imagine for people like you who actually care about the NFL, uh, how excited it is to be in the week in between the two. I don't really care about NFL other than my fantasy team, but uh, I'm happy for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm excited just because, I mean, this has been crazy the last few days, but I feel like we're going to settle in and just, you know, then it's going to be Ohio State on Saturday and NFL on Sunday, and I'm going to be one happy girl. Yeah, and that craziness is what we want to talk about today. So, Alexis, while most Buckeye fans were focused on the season opener against Florida Atlantic on Saturday, there was actually a ton of stuff going on in the NFL. So, before we get into how all of that impacted the former Buckeyes in the league, I wanted to just see if you could give us a quick rundown of the NFL schedule of events starting, say, on like Thursday night. Yeah, so Thursday night, all 32 teams played their final um, fourth preseason game. And then the teams had about two days. So they had until Saturday at 4 p.m. to make their final 53-man roster cuts. They used to do like um, cuts where they had to go from 90 to 70-something to 53, and now they can just do it in one like big swoop. So, you know, teams start cutting starting Friday evening, um, like some teams release 15 to 20 names and then make their final roster cuts on Saturday. And then following that, um, players go through the waiver wire Sunday at noon, and then teams can start filling their practice squads starting at one o'clock. So it goes really, really fast. There's a ton to kind of catch up on. And then as people start or as teams start filling their practice squads, and other players get released. I mean, there's still transactions happening today and probably through, I would even say like Wednesday or Thursday um, to fill in those last final spots or pick up guys who may be released. Yeah. And because the teams are able to, to cut down to 53 just in one fell swoop, like you said, it feels like an even bigger rush of names that we recognize because it hasn't been trickling out throughout fall or, you know, throughout preseason. It's just been like, here, here's a big dump of names that we're getting rid of. Yeah, it seemed really like aggressive this year. I don't know if like <laughs> I wasn't paying attention the last few years or what, but it was just like I felt like I couldn't catch up. And then I'm also, you know, watching the Buckeyes on the TV and I've got like my game cast and I'm trying to see what else is happening in the Big Ten. And it's like, oh, overload, but like in a good way, like football overloads fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. To, to a certain extent, I think there's <laughs> right. probably there's some of that football stuff that I probably could have done without on Saturday. But anyway, so we're now all on the same page in terms of the when and what that was happening in the NFL last week. Now let's talk about the who. Judging by your incredibly impressive spreadsheet skills, um, you have this in color-coded incredible document of, of Buckeyes in the league. So based off of that, there looks to have been a lot of movement surrounding OSU alums. So let's start with the relatively good news. First, in Washington, it sounds like things are going pretty well for Terry McLaurin. 
Yes. So rumor has it that he's going to actually start on Sunday against the Eagles in week one. Um, There was a bit of question about whether he would end up on the practice squad or not, but it looks like he's earned (laughs) that uh, wide receiver three role. And um, yeah, he's actually going to be among the starters, which I think is a little surprising to people because he didn't get much preseason playing time but I think that was more so just they either a didn't really need to see more from him because he like worked so well in the offseason and two you know a lot of teams now are trying to keep their guys healthy so the guys they know already that are going to be in the starting lineup they're not giving as many reps to yeah it it does seem kind of surprising when you say that some people thought that he would be on the practice squad and now he's ending up starting as a rookie for an NFL team. So uh, good for Terry, one of the, the, the good guys out there. Um, over the weekend, we also heard um, a little bit of different kind of news for our, our fan favorite, El Guapo. Yeah, I feel so bad for Carlos Hyde. Like, <laughs> dude cannot catch a break. He's now like with his fifth team after being traded from the Chiefs to Houston. And he was literally only with the Chiefs through this offseason. So... I don't, I don't know, from Jacksonville to Cleveland to Kansas City. Um, the Texans actually need a running back because um, they had their starter tear his, I think, ACL um, in like the first preseason game, like in the first two minutes of the first preseason game. So maybe he has a chance to actually catch on, but there's so many moving parts in Houston right now. I don't even know what to make of it. Yeah, there was a ton of trades on Saturday or Sunday or whatever it was. It was like coming fast and furious. I was uh, struggling to keep up between them and the the Seahawks and all that other stuff. It was a, a lot of moving pieces in this last week before the season started. One other good bit of news, um, Devin Smith, former Ohio State wide receiver, did make the 53-man roster for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then Kurt Coleman, um, he was cut by the Bills, but that wasn't the end of the story. No, he and I guess like people knew that when he was cut, because there's a new rule now where if you put a player on injured reserve ahead of the final 53 man roster, they cannot come back as one of your two returning players for the entire year. So you can put them on IR, but they stay there the whole season. So their season's done. So they cut Kurt Coleman to give another guy a roster spot and then put him on IR the next day and re-signed Kurt Coleman when they got that roster spot back. So there's a whole lot of like new moving pieces with these like final roster spots. And it's like really frustrating to try and like keep track of, but either way, he has a job with the bills, which is a new landing spot for him this off season. So uh, we'll see, I guess, what he can do in Buffalo. Do you know if his salary changed from when he was cut to when he was picked back up? Was it the same terms or was it like, did he, did they get him a little cheaper after they cut him? I think it was the same terms. I think he was um, a bit of a low, you know, one year sure. offer type deal anyway. And he didn't even end up getting there until just like early on in training camp. So um, I think he essentially will keep the same deal. I think it was just their way of having the flexibility. Chairs, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just silly. All right. Well, let's move on. That was the mostly good stuff. Now let's talk about the kind of crappy stuff. It seems that 
there are three former Buckeye quarterbacks. In, in fact, the three quarterbacks that were on the roster um, in 2015 and 2016, uh, Cardale Jones, Braxton Miller, and JT Barrett, they are all currently teamless, um, which I'm a, I guess I'm a little surprised about Braxton, really surprised about Cardale, and, and surprised that JT hasn't found a place to be a backup. I don't know how much practice squad eligibility he has left, but I thought at least Cardale of all people would have gotten picked up right away as soon as he was cut by the, uh, by the chargers. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head and this is going to be a really tough season for these guys because the 2016 draft class is really now without much, if at any practice squad eligibility. And so, you know, I feel like Braxton Miller, he, he didn't do a lot. Like Cleveland was super excited to sign him this off season, but I think it was more so just like, Oh, a Buckeye coming to the Browns because uh, all the beat reporters I know in Philly said he really wasn't doing much. Like not that he was bad in any capacity. He just didn't literally do anything noteworthy in like 10 weeks. And so it wasn't really surprising that he didn't make the cut. Um, JT Barrett, I feel like, Every team likes the thought of him, but (laughs) realistically aren't going to use a roster spot on him. But I am surprised that Cardell, I think that he, he may find his way back onto a roster um, sooner rather than later. Uh, He really had a great preseason for the chargers and he was really being groomed to be Phillip rivers. Like, I don't know the next man up. So um, I was a little surprised they let him go, but ultimately I think, he'll end up somewhere. This quarterback situation throughout the league, I mean, after the final 53-man cut, you had three teams that only had one healthy quarterback on the roster. Like, so I feel like they're starting to fill in, but they want to first see, like, who's going to be available and when. And then I feel like Cardell will slide in at the end. I hope so. He's such a good dude, and he's had kind of a rough go about it in, you know, in his time in the NFL between getting drafted by the Bills, which is bad enough in and of itself, didn't really get a fair shot there, and then shipped over to the Chargers, which is much better weather than Buffalo, of course. Uh, but he did – He, I watched a couple of his preseason games. He looked really good, uh, and now he's out of a job. So hopefully well, he ends up finding something. And I would argue, too, that actually all four former Ohio State quarterbacks kind of got cut because Terrell Pryor, he was with the Jaguars yeah. this training camp, but they put him on IR before the final 53-man roster. So he's done this year. I mean, he'll still collect a paycheck, so that's exciting for the guy. But, like, he's not going to find playing time. Yeah, that's really rough. Was he significantly injured, or was this just a roster move to put him on IR? Um, I Honestly, I don't know. Like, I was a little surprised when I saw that he was put on IR. I was like, oh, he was hurt? But I feel like he's still kind of battling back from like the lingering ankle foot injuries he's had over the last like year and a half. Hmm. So if anything, I feel like he probably just didn't, you know, wow them. And they were like, well, he's kind of injured. We can put him there. And as a player, you know, I've been reading this year that more players than you would think are happy to be injured heading into the season because they still collect that paycheck and at least have some semblance of job security for the year, even if they're not on the roster. Yeah, because in the past, being injured meant that you could just be cut. So at least that means if you are banged up a little bit, whether it's to a significant degree or just something that's lingering and you haven't fully gotten over, if they put you on IR, you get paid for this year and then have the opportunity to 
rehabilitate yourself while you're getting paid and then to go into the following season 100% healthier as close to that as humanly possible and try to earn a spot and, <laughs> and another paycheck that way. So uh, I do like that from a, uh, you know, from a union perspective, but uh, I'm sure that's pretty frustrated for guys who are on the fence as to being maybe 100% or maybe not 100%, you know, being close enough to be able to play Um, and then they don't get the chance to. So, um, all right. So real quick, are there any other guys that got cut when they went down to 53 that you were surprised that haven't been picked up by yet by anybody else yet? I was a little surprised that Johnny Dixon and Malcolm Pridgen, even though they, they both signed with the Texans as undrafted free agents. Um, so I was surprised that they cut and didn't get re-signed to the practice squad, um, more so Johnny Dixon than Malcolm, but, um, I was surprised by that. And I was also surprised that Mike Weber was yeah. cut at the 53 and he did get put on the Cowboys practice squad, but a lot of people are saying that that move indicates that the Ezekiel Elliott contract saga is wrapping up, but then reports today are that they're really not even close. So, um, I, at least he still has a spot, but he was actually a draft pick. So that was very surprising. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Cowboys like cut three running backs all in one fell swoop, um, which is very surprising when your number one running back is in like Cancun for for right. all of a uh, preseason camp. But um, yeah, lots of reports saying that Zeke is uh, working his way back and they're going to get everything figured out soon. But until there's pen to paper, that seems like a pretty risky move to cut three running backs uh, without your number one in camp. Yeah, and there's a lot of like Buckeye to Buckeye situational stuff happening with the Cowboys too because there's also reports out today that the reason Devin Smith made the Cowboys roster is because Noah Brown is starting the year on the physically unable to perform list um, as he recovers from a knee injury and he had like a knee scope a couple weeks ago. So they're saying if Noah Brown was healthy, there's a good chance Smith wouldn't have made it anyway. So a lot of... I don't know, Buckeye movement in cowboy land. And so just to make sure we're 100% clear here, Noah Brown might be put on the physically unable to perform list, the pup list. That is different than being put on IR. Like you said earlier, like Terrell Pryor, he's going to be on IR as well as like Michael Bennett, Demetrius Knox, and Rod Smith. They're on IR. They cannot play this entire year. But if you're put on the pup list, you can come back in what, week six, eight, something like that? Yeah, I think it's week six. So um, definitely he'll be out for a good portion of the season, which with having Devin Smith, then they have flexibility. All right. So that's the main movement stuff, uh, Alexis. But I do want to get a little bit before we close up. I want to get a little bit into do you see anybody, uh, a former Buckeye, whether it's new, old, veteran, rookie, anybody uh, two or three folks maybe that could be setting themselves up for a really good season in this NFL 2019 slate. Well, I think you have like the obvious guys, like, you know, Michael Thomas having signed like the biggest contract ever <laughs> for a wide receiver. Like, I think he's going to ball out just because, you know, he's, well, he's him. Um, but then I think a guy like Kendall Sheffield, he wasn't really expected to kind of come on for the Atlanta Falcons this year. He was more of a developmental pick, um, but he really impressed in the preseason. And I would not be surprised to see him start getting more reps, like 
mid-season and finishing as you know maybe one of the starters or if there's an injury for sure one of the starters I think they were very um, surprised and impressed with his speed especially since he didn't get to finish his combine performance is he 100% then I assume with his with his pec tear because I remember they thought he was back and then he maybe had a setback or something early in the in, in camp but it sounds like he's pretty close to being 100% right yeah, he's 100%. He did come back and have, I think, like, I want to say maybe like a hamstring or a groin, maybe that but was it was it. super minor. And, you know, he's been bawling out ever since. And even like Dan Quinn, the head coach, is super um, complimentary of him, which I always feel like it's good. Like rookies can, you know, they're the new guy, the young guy, they can get overlooked easily. So if a head coach is specifically pointing you out, um, I think that's always a good thing. Yeah, and you got to feel good for him after what happened at the uh, at the combine uh, on the bench press. You know, if you're going to tear your pec on the bench press when you're Kendall Sheffield, at least do it after you've run the forty, right? Uh, because people were talking about him maybe running the best forty in the entire combine, and then he didn't even get the chance. So I feel, feel like if anything, it's to like keep the other like all the wide receivers who ran really fast quiet. Like, do you really want to <laughs> have like Paris Campbell having that gloating privilege for like the rest of your life? Yeah. I, I imagine there was quite a bit of trash talk going into that combine between those two. But do you have a total number as to how many guys are actually on rosters going into the season now? So I have 45 guys on the roster, including Ezekiel Elliott, despite his holdout, yeah. plus two additional guys on practice squads. So you've got 47 total, uh, which is not bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if one or two other guys end up bouncing around like Adolphus Washington or even Chris Worley. But, you know, some of those guys, like I said, from uh, the 2016 class, like Tyvis Powell and um, Marcus Baugh and Tracy Sprinkle, they're going to run out of practice squad eligibility and they may, you know, fall to the wayside, unfortunately. And that number I don't think is counting the guys who are on IR or Ryan Shazier, who's obviously out for the season, but still very much a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he has not gotten removed from my spreadsheet because if he's in the league, he's on the spreadsheet. Like, yeah. I will not take that away from him, too. I know. And I, you and I have talked about this on podcast before. Like, I'm so happy to see all the progress that he's made. Such a great dude. But, man, I really hope he never plays again. Like, I I would be a nervous wreck if if he actually ends up suiting up again and going into a game on a Sunday. That would absolutely terrify me. Yes. Like if anything, I'm really excited. He's getting a lot of coaching practice. I feel like, especially last season and this season, as he does get healthier and more mobile on the sidelines and you see videos of him, like tossing the football with the guys and it's all like well and good, but it's like, just hold a clipboard and, you know, really teach the linebackers and I will feel very good about things. Absolutely. So, all right. Now that we have all this stuff out of the way, Alexis, I'm hoping that you are starting your XFL spreadsheet so we can know who, what Buckeyes are playing for Vince <laughs> McMahon here uh, coming up in February. Oh, yeah. The XFL and the CFL. You know, you got Devere yep. Posey over there. You've got some interest um, from, a you know, especially now that the AAF is defunct. <laughs> You've got some more more movement, I think. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Well, All right, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. If you are finding us on the website, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are bringing you at least one podcast episode every day of the 2019 football season up through the Sunday following the Michigan game 
or if the Buckeyes make it the Sunday following the Big Ten Championship game. So make sure that you subscribe so you get all of the podcasts downloaded as soon as they are published. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me on Twitter at BWMatt, and you can find Alexis on Twitter at LovelyBuckeye. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon, and go Bucks. Go Bucks.